Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, we have a triple header today. First, we are breaking down the monthly jobs report. Then, we're going to talk about the British Pound's flash crash with James McIntosh. And lastly, the Chicago Cubs looking to break their century-plus World Series drought. Can they do it? We have two native sons who are on our staff here. They're in the studio to tell us all about their hopes and dreams for their beloved Cubbies. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast on this first Friday in October, a uh, almost unseasonably warm and sunny day here in New York City. Very nice outside. And that is the backdrop for the big news this morning, which was the non-foam, non, non-foam, it was the non-foam latte payrolls report. It was the non-farm payrolls report. The jobs numbers came out this morning. Little underwhelming to talk about it. We have, actually, I think we have just about the entire Money Beat team here, except for Eric Holm, who took two weeks off for the baseball playoffs. Is that what he I left think that's, for? I think that's what was, That's yeah. what he really was about. Yeah, it was about yeah. the baseball playoffs. Uh, Chris Dietrich, Ben Eisen, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser here. Let's talk jobs numbers, gentlemen. What was our What was our general takeaway of this jobs report? Well, it was uh, it, it was pretty lackluster. It came in below expectations on the headline number. Um, a lot of people were looking at uh, average hourly earnings as uh, one indicator of whether the labor markets are tightening in terms of um, just growth of uh, of uh, wages, and and that that was up, but it wasn't up as much as expectations. So a little disappointing, but no one seemed all that concerned about it. Yeah, and you know you, you look at the. The headline number, people thought it would be, what, 170, and it came in at 156, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, in in the larger perspective of the American workforce, that's really a negligible difference. No, I mean, the key, key, I think, with this report is whether it keeps the Fed on the path. Is there anything that was going to come up in this report that could either, uh, you know, cause the Fed to move earlier or, you know, Dial up, you know, or stamp pad in December. And the reality is, no one believes they're moving earlier because the next Fed meeting is there's no press right conference, ahead of, and it comes a week ahead right of, of the, the election. Of yeah. The election. So I mean, it it really comes down to whether the Fed is going to tighten in December, right. or not. And you know, there's enough in this report. I think it keeps you know the Fed on uh, you know on its pace. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that that's going to cause them to hold off. And and it's not that important because let's face it, we have two more jobs reports. And don't say fa- it's not that. We're only uh, two minutes into the podcast. Don't say it's not that important. No, um, Steve. This time it really matters. This no. time it, this it's always matters. matters. It's the most important jobs <laughs> report ever. No, I mean it, you know they're going to have two more, and they're always going to focus on the, the most recent ones. Yeah. And also there's going to be two more revisions too. That's the other thing. Um, so you know, like you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of changes right. between it, now it, it and the It would have been interesting if this report had come in, say, above two hundred thousand. I mean, if this report had come in strong, heavy, hot, then I still don't think the Fed would have done anything in November because the election. But I mean, you, you could have at least raised the question. And I think some people sort of had been raising the question a little bit in the lead up to this jobs report. Um, you know, you have the contrarians out there. And um, if you look at like the rate hike probabilities calculated by like the Fed funds futures market, um, for whatever that's worth, uh, 
the probability was at like 15% for a rate hike in November, and then it like it it went down to 10 afterwards. So that was really the only place that you saw the move in the expectations on that front, and it was pretty much stable uh, for December. Yeah, and it, you can see it in the markets, and you can see it, uh, you know, you can hear it on the lips of any of the market commentators that we've been talking to all day. Is there's nothing really in today's report that changed anybody's mind from from yesterday. And Paul, as you point out, if it was super hot or if it was super low, that right. that would have started to really get people talking. But um, it's also sort of a, in some ways, remember the Goldilocks expression, which we I thought all you know all thought had put to bed, but thought we'd learned our lesson with uh, that one. There's enough in here too that you know the dollar's not gonna not not gonna accelerate too much. Um, gold is kind of hanging flat, so there's just not a whole lot to, to to move things around on this report. No, in fact, I would say like to this report, if it even had come in hot, it, it wouldn't have been about November. It would have been how much does it really you know build the argument for December? Because December is not a sure thing. If we've no. learned anything with this Fed, the Fed likes to err on the side of caution. It has, except for once. You know, in the past two years, it is essentially, you know, punted on raising rates at, at, you know, meetings. And so, you know, let's face it, we're not sure they're going to raise rates. And this number does not guarantee that they're going to raise rates. If the next two ones come in weak, if there's a lot of volatility that comes out, you know, in the election, you know, the ECB, Bank of Japan have meetings before the, you know, the December meeting. If they do something that causes more, you know, the the yield and, you know, financial, um, you know, financing conditions to get tighter, these could all change the Fed's opinion. Well, and look, if you want to start making the case for not raising in December, for doing nothing in December, and you want to look into this report for what might bolster that case, what's what stuck out to me was you mentioned the wages, right? Average average hourly wages were 2.6% up from a year ago. That's just – that's in a range that it's kind of been in. That's not a strong number. Janet Yellen wants to see a 3 or 4% year-over-year wage growth before she will believe that the economy is really healthy. So that that's, that's one thing. Also – uh, just, you know, you look at what kinds of jobs were created last month. And a couple things that stuck out to me that were kind of outliers were, one, you had 23,000 temp jobs created, which is kind of a big number and not exactly what you want to see at what, you know, should be, I'm using air quotes, you know, this point in the recovery. The other thing was dry cleaners added 7,000 jobs, which is like this weird, unusual thing. So. And you put those two things together. Say they weren't there, then you're looking at 126,000 jobs. You know, you're looking closer to 100,000. Then you start maybe getting a little bit nervous that the economy is is actually weakening, which again is what people have been talking about. We had those ISM reports out this morning, uh, this week. They were a little stronger. People aren't worried. A little again. stronger. They were a lot Look, stronger. They they were stronger. I think. I mean, but all I'm saying is that if you want to start looking at these numbers and and looking for signs of weakness, things that might get the Fed to hold off in December, you can find them in this report. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can find that kind of stuff, but you're gonna have to dig very hard and very deep to to really build a case that not, that they're that you can't raise rates in December. I mean, once oh, you get to December... That's, that's been, what I get paid for, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let it begin then, I guess. But but I mean, in no, December will be... It, it'll have been a year since they first raised rates. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the economy is 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 not like particularly hot or anything. But, um, you know, at a certain point, the window closes. And if you can go more than a year without raising rates, um, uh, you know... 
I think that will surprise a lot of people. So, um, so, so I think I think they'll yeah. start having to build their case. Well, the other thing if, too if, is if that's what's going to happen. The other thing too is like given the history of first quarters, the last what four or five years now. I mean, if you don't raise in December. And you have a sort of repeat right, right. of this, like shrinking, you know, weather-related issues to a whole bunch of other things that we've had every single quarter uh, for the last yeah, five years. Last for the first quarter, right, then right. you know you're now talking into the spring, where you'd have I mean, you'd be a year and you know a quarter. Yeah, um, it starts getting pushed out. But I have to say, Ben, and this speaks to your point. One of the most fascinating things over the years with Paul is. There's no one, I think, on earth that thinks and wants the Fed to raise rates, but can make the argument so persuasively as to why they shouldn't. <laughs> You're saying me, that, that yeah, I you. occupy that weird yeah. space. Right. The economy's awful. Nothing's <laughs> growing. But they should raise rates. Well, but, you know, that that is... That's the dilemma that, that they themselves are dealing with. Exactly. They want to raise rates. They don't want rates this low for this long. They realize the inherent warping of the capital markets. They realize the damage it can do. They want to get away from this. But on the other hand, the economy is not giving them enough, enough reason to raise rates. No, so it's, it's not. It's me, Janet Yellen, William Dudley, Esther George. Like, I'm not alone. I'm actually not alone in this. No. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Actually, I'd agree with that. Sentence. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, is there anything more? I don't know. Is there anything? Anything? Anything stick out to you guys that we missed? That we I should, just, you know? I just feel like when you look at this number, the more evidence is building that we're getting to full employment. If we're not there already, we're we're here. And you look at the other data earlier this week, where um, jobless claims remain right. as low as they are, and and so maybe the job creation is, if you look long enough, slowing a little bit. But 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 companies are that could very well just because they've hired already, right? I mean, we're getting mm-hmm. to full employment and. It just seems, I agree with Ben, that if you're going to go past a year, that's going to start um, making people antsier that we're, we don't have the ammunition. And you can make the case either way, but I, the Fed wants yeah. to do something sooner rather than later. And, and to your point, the, the, labor, the labor force participation rate started, has been starting to tick up over the past couple of months. Uh, it was up again today, I believe. And that's why the unemployment uh, so, rate rose, too. Right, right, right. right so people are coming back. Right, right. So I mean that. I mean that's that's obviously a very good sign. That's definitely one of the positives in the report. I mean, and, and I guess if we are making the case to to leave rates low, I mean maybe that's one of the cases here because uh, if leaving rates low is going to get the participation rate back up, then then why not? And also, like, it's, 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 it's getting back to like the sort of like the headline number. Um, Lacker on Thursday, and in, in these these comment, his comments echoed things that Jen Yellen had said earlier this year. You know, made the point that a hundred thousand is the headline, the headline number we need to sort of keep you know the labor market um, the replacement shrinking. rate, the repla- but not just a replacement no. rate. He was also saying that that would also be enough to sort of keep the you know the unemployment rate coming down as well. Oh, okay, and um, and and so that's a, that's a pretty you know that's a right. much lower bar than what we're talking about. If we're getting you know 156, I think the six month average is around 170 mm-hmm. this year. So. Yeah, I mean, we have some, you know, we have, the labor market is still very strong. Right. And and to your point, I mean, the 170 is lower than 2015, which is also lower than 2014, but that kind of makes sense if we're, if companies are hiring, right? I mean, you can't, right, if we're at full employment, that is logical. Right, exactly. All right, let's leave it there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I don't know if you heard about this one, folks, but the British pound traded, uh, 
It traded like Bitcoin for a couple of minutes last evening here in New York. We will talk about that next. WSJ Podcasts, now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Paul and Stephen here in the studio with Ben Eisen, and we're fortunate to have with us in studio. We've had him on the phone before, but we've never had him in the studio. Wall Street Journal columnist James McIntosh, who is here in New York. And I noticed, James... You you still got your UK pride? Yeah, yeah. My Union Jack socks. I thought Union this morning. Jack socks. <laughs> I woke up this morning. The pound was down six percent, and I thought, oh, but it's the day for my Union Jack socks. I thought maybe people will take pity on me. <laughs> right, uh, and that's what we want to talk about. I mean, overnight, the the UK pound. It was actually it was late last night here in New York. It was early morning hours in Asia. Right, seven a.m. I believe. Right. And if you were looking at your UK pound charts and for a second you thought you had actually flipped onto your Bitcoin charts, you would you could have made that mistake easily because in a couple of minutes, the UK pound fell 6%, more than 6%, right? Yeah. A little bit more. And then came back a little bit. But I mean, it was, it was basically a flash crash in the world's fourth largest uh, currency. Yeah, it's it's very painful. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just very glad that last night I, uh, I I didn't pay pay on my credit card for beer just at the moment that that had happened. <laughs> that would have been painful. <laughs> so, what happened? What are people saying? We've now had enough time to kind of try to dig into this and digest it and figure it out. So, the joy of flash crashes, and uh, you know, we had it in we had it in 2010 in shares, we had it in 2014 in bonds, uh, sort of flash rally there. Um, the joy of them is that no one really knows what caused it for months afterwards because you. You need regulators to come in with access to every single trade in order to be able to do anything and actually explain it. Um, so there's lots and lots of theories around there. Um, the most obvious are that it was an algorithm gone wild, which is what happened in both the last two flash crashes, mm-hmm. and one of the factors involved in them. Um, another is that it was a fat finger, um, uh, some trader putting the wrong number into his keyboard. That doesn't seem very likely because if that was the case, it would have been it would have been reversed by now because they 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 do a deal and the, the trade gets cancelled. Um, some trades have been cancelled, so there probably were some fat fingers at really extreme levels. But the thing that worries me is that enough people are willing to believe this that it didn't just bounce all the way back straight away. This wasn't people saying, okay, that was a mistake, just ignore it, which right. is what happens with a normal fat finger. People said, oh, my God, the pound really has fallen out of bed, and we can see why, because the country's uh, not handling its Brexit very well. Yeah. And I mean, uh, uh, just for some additional context, I mean, the pound has been falling all week, and it's it's um, it's it's uh, it's down a lot over yeah the last couple of days. So, I mean, I, there's clearly a lot of people who are willing to believe that uh, the pound should be weaker. People have been betting on that for a number of months now. So, and, and that's something that you know, and maybe you can give us a little insight into this because watching it from afar, watching it over here in New York this week, I, I have no idea why people are all of a sudden so up in arms about this Brexit thing, which was voted on over the summer. Everyone know like I don't I don't get it. Why why this week? I know there were some speeches and some, so, some but I mean why this week Brexit? So the speeches is the yeah. exact answer. So the Prime Minister came out last weekend and she said Theresa May in Theresa case May, uh, yeah. you're somebody out there who is running for president and needs to know the name of a foreign leader. <laughs> Harsh. Um uh, but um she 
came out with a speech that uh, basically made clear that she's prioritising controls on immigration and that means there's no chance of a soft Brexit, as it's been dubbed, which is where Britain could take the Norwegian option and continue to be a member of the single market even though it's left the European Union. And that becomes impossible if, if Britain's not willing to... Uh, to continue allowing free movement of workers and she made very clear that was not going to happen uh, and some other technical stuff like rejecting the idea that the European courts could have any oversight into Britain which again is not possible unless you unless you leave the single market of course you leave the single market then that means you can't easily sell your goods from Britain into the rest of Europe and a lot of big companies around the world have chosen Britain as a good place to base themselves to sell stuff into Europe so that's not good. And now you could say, well, you know, Norway seems all right, uh, but Switzerland seems okay too, right? I mean, they're okay and they're not in the single they market. Do fine. They do they fine. Have, they have deals. Uh, the difference is that Britain has to get, it has to attract foreign capital equal to about 6% of GDP, just below 6% of GDP every year to finance the current account deficit. And, uh, of course, if you make yourself less attractive for foreign capital then you're not going to attract that foreign capital. And that means that the pound has to fall. That's the, what happens if you, don't, if you don't attract enough money to balance your current account deficit? So being the country with the worst current account deficit of all major industrial company, countries is not a good time to be doing this, frankly. Yeah. It would have been better to go into this having fixed these problems in advance. Uh, so that's that's sort of briefly why it's so why? painful. But that's why now as well, because there had been some hope that maybe there'd be a soft exit, uh, uh, some sort of interim arrangement, a staying in the single market, uh, some right. sort of deal like that uh, to try and make things easier and smooth it over. And if that's not happening, then things could get very messy. Wow. I mean, is, do, do you think that... Um just too much is being extrapolated out of these these uh, speeches. I mean, clearly no action has been taken yet, and this is just sort of like all hypothetical at the moment. So, um, you know, I just I just wonder. It seems like a lot of the Brexit story has been, you know, in the lead up to the vote, the that Brexit would be catastrophic, and then people started to rethink that, and now uh, now you have hard Brexit. Will people start to reconsider that as well? I think it'd be very very hard politically now. Um, Theresa May's clearly, you know, set out her stool and. Her stall is, well, we're going to appeal to the the sort of lowest common denominator on this and back away from free trade. We don't like free trade. She attacked the international elites as well. So, guys, if you're listening, that's you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is this is a, a big change of course for the UK. It's it's having said, I mean, she made she made some noises about free trade and so on, but she's becoming much more interventionist. She's stepping away from the pattern that we've that Britain had with Blair. Um, and then through into the conservative leadership of the last six years. Um, and she's stepping away from that and making a, a sort of, you know, a, a straightforward appeal to the, to the people who wow. voted Labour, taking the centre ground. How much, of a, how much of a move into, you know, sort of terra incognito is this? I mean, it, you know, I, I think you're right. People had the vote and then they thought, well, maybe it won't be as bad. And there was sort of a rethink about what it meant. And, but, I mean, are there precedents? Is there any way to look at this and say, okay, God, a hard Brexit equals X or, you know, we have this precedent. You know, this is happening. Not really. I yeah. mean, the, the, this is one of the reasons that people didn't believe the studies 
you know, all the economists were coming out before the vote and saying it's going to be awful. Um, but of course, they didn't really have much to go on because there aren't really any examples in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Greenland is the only place that's left the European Union, but um, given that it's a uh, it's such a different economy. It's basically, it's, a, it's basically a small town, in, right? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, right. off the coast of Canada, so it's not really very relevant here. Um, no, no offense, don't offend the Greenlanders. You yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big um, part of our, our listening audience. Well, yeah. Also, of course, come uh, come the melting of the ice caps. That's going to be where we yeah. want to go to get to the sun. <laughs> they'll holiday, be laughing. Right? They'll be laughing at you. Yeah. Uh, so, so has your beer gotten more expensive just this week? Uh, yeah, tough week to come Absolutely. to New York, huh? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Justin. We're, you, know, you can come in. Come, have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. We're getting ready for the next segment. We're going to have another segment. You're going to like it. It's going to be interesting. But let, let's let's wrap up on on Brexit. So it's it's Friday. You know, the week has happened. The flash crash has happened. They're, they're going to sift through it. It'll take a month to figure out exactly what you know. But but what happens on Monday? What happens in the for the rest of this year? What, what are we looking forward to now in terms of certainly what happens with the pound, but with the UK as well? Well, for the rest of the year, I mean, we're back into this period of kind of nothingness that we've been in for a while. Um, Only we were in this period where there was nothingness and some hope. And now we're in this period until March where there's kind of nothingness and no hope. Um, Europe still says it won't do any negotiations wow. until the until Article 50, which is the kind of legal the trigger, right? trigger yeah. until that happens, uh, which is due to happen now in March, Theresa May said. Uh, so between now and then, kind of nothing happens. We're going to get a lot of noise, but we're back into this period of why why do anything mm-hmm. so the the worry then becomes has this low from the flash crash become the new target the new target for the market that right. over a period of time we drop back at least to that level one of the questions i have is is you know you say we're going to have a lot of noise and you know we've seen this with all the fed speakers and, and you know everything like that around the fed is that noise going to create a lot of volatility with a pound do you think over the next you know 4 months I mean, one would have to assume there's going to be a fair bit of volatility, um, but it's it's quite hard to it's quite hard to see what the driver is for any yeah. change in the sort of deep opinion, as it were. Um, you know, but on the other hand, you've got a lot of positioning a lot of positioning in there lots of people are very negative yeah. um, so you you do have the scope for sudden unwinds if you start getting a bit of a rally a bit of good news then there's a lot of people who could close those positions yeah the bearish bets are piling up I yeah mean, exactly alright let's leave it there James very glad to have you in the studio for once I think you know for us though let's go to London yeah. I mean, well right that's the lot, next it's, the it's natural getting, next step right it's basically getting, free right yeah Right, it's basically free. Yeah, well, let's let's wait. Let's wait until like January or February and see. You know, it's pretty cold then. <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, James, thank you very much. Listen, folks, don't go away. We're gonna have one more segment. It's a little bit of a surprise. You, you Cubs fans will love it. So there, I just gave away the surprise. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Stephen Perlberg from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Are you interested in the biggest changes in the media and advertising business from Facebook to Snapchat? Tune into the WSJ Media Mix podcast for interviews with some of the biggest names in media, from Gawker CEO Nick Denton to Turner President David Levy. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast, folks, for this special edition, extra third segment of the Money Beat Podcast. And the important reason we have to have this is because Major League Baseball playoffs have started. And, and, yes. and to be honest, Justin has been clamoring 
for this precise, this exact precise segment. segment. Yeah. And, for and the how many sports years? reporters, what well, were they? Not quite. Like, 1908, but, yeah, but, but, but close. Going back a little time. Right, right. It hasn't been quite 108 years, but, right. but almost. All right, listen, folks. You all know out there, Major League Baseball playoffs have started, and the Chicago Cubs are on the, 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 could be on the verge of history. It could be a historic year for Cubby fans. 108 years since they last won the World Series. Nobody living in Chicago today has ever seen that team win the World Series. They have a good team this year. They have a strong team. Can they win it? To talk about this, two Cubby fans. Yes, we found them. It's, it's, actually, it wasn't hard at all to find them. Like we said, Justin been trying to do that. Justin Bear, tell us, Demos, uh, Cubby fans. What do you, you got in your head there? Tell us. What is that hat? I'm sporting a vintage Cubs cap. You are. Wow. Very interesting. All right. Here's – okay, listen. I'm just going to ask one question, and then you guys can just kind of take over all you want. Are the Cubs going to win it this year? Oh, my God. Well, come on. That's a great question. Uh, I, before we continue, though, I just want to No make, good Cubs fan can answer that, right? <laughs> I want to make one point. Before we we go down this road, I, I I respect you both immensely, and and no matter what, and you're right to root for other teams, and and uh, so I just wanted to get that out there before we. Uh, all right. Well, I, I you know partisan, to, to, uh, to, since we're all being a, like, since we're all being a, a above board here, like apologizing before we've even. I, I will say. I will say that's uh, the, that is the mental state of a Cubs fan. I, I will say I'm yeah, now Grocer. You're a Sox fan, so you have a rooting yes. interest. I am a Yankees fan. And then, you know, I was pulling for the Mets, what they lost. So, so I have no rooting interest in a team. So whenever playoffs go on and I have no rooting interest, I just go for the best story. And the Cubs are clearly the best story. So I am rooting for the Chicago Cubs this year. This would be a big I'm story. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> look, I, I, I want to see I, it. I, no, look, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to step in with a Cubs fan. Yeah. I mean, I have to say this year. I mean, like, the Cubs have been to the World Series before. I mean, this isn't, you know, it hasn't yeah. been 100 years. Yeah, but those, team, those, teams, those teams did not feel particularly strong. You know, they made it to the World Series, but they were not, like, you know, the favorites. But this team is, this team is loaded. To, to be clear, I just want to remind everybody, because and everybody and, might and, not and be aware. The Cubs uh, have not been to the World <laughs> Series either since 1945. <laughs> right. Uh, right. It's been a while. They played the it's Tigers, and they lost. Look, 85. No, 85, and they did not make it to the World Oh, no, they didn't. That's no. right. That's and right. even though you weren't born, you, you feel the pain of that, don't you? Of that 1945? That loss in 1940. Yeah, I bet yes. you do. 1969 yes? was also very that's, painful. That's the big yeah. one. That's the big one. Um, well, look, I think that, that there is a lot of confidence right now. I think Cubs fans around the, around the globe uh, are excited uh, and, uh, and feel probably a lot less pressure than they have been in, in, in when they made the playoffs in years past. Even last year was, was a bit of a surprise. Okay, okay, uh, I have to stop right yeah. there. I have to stop right there. Listen, guys, I don't want any more of this 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 measured, thoughtful analysis. Right, well, I, I'm, I'm getting to that. You, I want to hear that you've been crying since you were four years old for the Cubs to win it, and now they're here and you're nervous. You're, come on, give well, me some listen, emotion. I, I, I will say, give me some passion. So, so much of the regular season has been great. The team has been terrific. Pressure definitely has been building, but I feel there is this there is this overarching confidence in the plan and the fact that you have so many young players uh, just at the start of their careers and this um, this you know this roadway ahead of them um, that and the expectations that well they have a number of years to uh, to get there. I, I will say though, but you also have a pitcher who's won two World Series. Right, right. And I, and I will say there, yeah. 
there is this, uh, there is this double-edged there, sword to that because it wasn't too long ago where the Cubs had other really good players who were young who appeared on the cusp of, of great careers, and that fell apart. So, um, yeah, so I think, it's, it's, I think there's confidence and, and belief that they're going to get one. Well, here's, but, here's, but here's the thing. The, the, this Cubs team is built around young hitters, young right. hitting superstars, right? You have Rizzo, you have Bryant, you have Addison Russell. Um, you know, that, the, the previous kind of Cubs team that everyone thought had a shot, which was the 2003 Cubs, which made it within um, within, within within just a couple one innings, five jerks outs of, outstretched of the hand. Oh no! <laughs> right? Come on, no, let's, let's, let's can let's we hold off, Bartman, Bartman off for just a few minutes? Anyway, like I was saying, Paul, like I was saying, uh, the Cubs. This team is built around hitting, which right. So so we've seen what's happened. Like when you build a team around young pitching. The Mets are going through this right now. Health is obviously the huge concern, right? The problem for that for the for the Cubs core for for Pryor, um, Wood, and Zambrano was that like Pryor and Wood couldn't stay healthy. And, and Zambrano, yeah, well, Zambrano actually stayed pretty healthy throughout his career. Was, he, well, well, not mentally. Phys- yeah, physically, I was gonna say, he was, that's what I was going to Physically, getting at. he was fine. Um, so, so you don't, you don't so, so, so you're building a, you're, so you're building this team around a young hitting core, but but the, I think that the that the suspicion, the fear. That runs through which which already is 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 just part and parcel of being a Cubs fan, right? Eight hundred and one hundred eight years of, of disappointment is that it's not like that might not that is enough to sort of get you to the World Series consistently, but will it win you a World Series? Pitching wins World Series. Pitch it right, everyone. Like watching the, I got to tell you, I was getting pretty excited about the playoffs. Watching Bumgarner and Syndergaard yeah. go at it. In that division, in 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 the in the play-in game, was really depressing and, because and you just you look at you look at that and you say, "Do the Cubs have that kind of pitcher that you can just put it on their back and say, this one's a victory, yeah. this one's a win?" And I and and I don't know. I mean, John Lester has been pretty good throughout the playoffs. He's never like been the backbone of a playoff run. Yes, he has. 2012. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Was he? Was it? Did they really yes. put it on he, his he back? He pitched and the like, clinching. Yeah. Which which series? No, was that, it? that was but Colorado. He unhittable. That was Colorado. Right. No, he was dominant in the 2012. Okay, okay, fine. So maybe so maybe this is Lester's opportunity to carry the Cubs through. It's 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 interesting because Lester hasn't really been the Cubs' ace for the last. You know, that's been Arietta, and Arietta has definitely not kept up the on otherworldly level of performance we saw last year. So I think there's I think that's the nervousness leading into it. There's still some question marks about the bullpen. So that's why I think as exci- like as like as like amped up as Cubs fans want to be, I think A, in addition to our natural sort of just sort of Whoa. like I mean, like you know well, we don't want to be the member of a but I think you, you just you, you look at the team and it's like is it really built uh, for let's a go. Big let, I mean like run. here's the thing I mean like you know listening to you and Justin I mean having been a Red Sox fan and lived through this and had you know well, won you, a you World can Series, share with these gentlemen I mean I understand what you're feeling I mean I remember in 2003 tell them what the other side's like three I couldn't even stand in the room and watch as the Red Sox lost to the Yankees in that game seven as you know pacing in and out of the room as you know boom hit that home that was a great game. Great game. Um, for Red Sox, it was the most painful right. moment. And, like, the worst was I remember having to, like, drive back down to Jersey the next morning. And I couldn't even turn on the radio because all <laughs> you could hear was New York, uh, you know, New Yorkers talking about this game. But the, 
every team has flaws. There is not a team that is in the playoffs that does not have significant weaknesses. Now, granted, I'll, I'll give you, like, if, if a pit, but, one... But wait, 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 let me finish, Talos. If you get one starter, one pitcher who gets hot, like a bomb gun or something like that, they can change a whole series because you can get, like, three games out of them. And that's, They'll only see Bumgarner once. No, but that's what, what I'm saying that's is, like... That's important. That's the one thing that can throw off, like, you know, uh, you know a whole series, a playoff series, is that real... That you know the dominant number one starter that no one can hit and that they can shut down. Yeah, I think just two quick points. I think you know the, the memories of the Mets series last year are still very fresh, and so the, uh, the you know to tell us this point, the fear is that this team is more or less constructed the same way, uh, and um, and that ultimately the pitchers they have can't match and match those guys inning for inning. Now, obviously, it's a different series, different team. There's not as much depth on the Giants as there were the Mets last series. But I think that's, you know, that's in the back of everyone's mind. The other thing that's interesting, I think, about heading the Cubs this year is that a lot of those guys, I mean, Lester notwithstanding, um, their sort of reputations, their playoff reputations and, and the sort of narratives around them haven't really been written yet. So you have a lot of guys who are on this sort of, you know, It'll be interesting to see, depending on when they have, if they have success or failure, how that kind of stays with them for the rest of their career. So, so Arietta was was fantastic, an incredible year uh, last season, and then he was less dominant in the playoffs in those moments. So, does that carry over to this year's team? Are the expectations yeah. still as they were for him? Um, what does that mean? So, if he, if he gives up three or four runs, uh, as he had at times, you know, in the last in the playoff run last year, does that Make the Cubs suddenly more. I'm bullish I, well, on and the I Cubs. think the thing, and I think, and I think, to you're Justin's bullish point, on the like, Cubs. I think, oh, yeah. I think that the the thing that scares the, the thing that makes you nervous as a Cubs fan is like, just will the feelings of doom and gloom? Well, no, you like, been, like, will, 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 the, will the dark clouds? Like, if if tonight, you know, if they go out there tonight and Lester gives up a couple of runs and the Cubs don't score until the fifth inning, like, you know, uh, do, do do you just do you just begin the whole thing on this like with this like negative cloud following the team around and you just you hope that I mean look the truth is is that the, the, the players on the yes. Cubs are young enough where you know half of them weren't even born you know when um, when the 2003 you know sort of <laughs> catastrophe happened they have no memory of it none of that bothers them Joe Madden is not the kind of guy who gets bothered by that sort of thing you have a new kind of management you know, around the Cubs, like it's not the old Tribune anymore. You know, it's it's Ricketts and 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 the Theo regime, and so you know, so in the past when the Cubs have been good, you know, you've seen all this BS around. You know, they bring in you know Greek priests to undo the Billy Goat curse, <laughs> and like there's been lots of just cursed talk, and and kind of like all the ghosts of Chicago are just like dug up, and their remains are scattered all over Wrigley as some sort of no, I mean as as, as prophylactic. So I think maybe the difference with this team is that it just doesn't carry that around with it. Anymore. No, I like mean, like Anthony Rizzo is not like even Cubs stars of like of recent vintage were like really flawed, weird. You had Sammy Sosa, you know, baseball been better, better good to me, sort of like his just kind of awkwardness. You know, like Mark Grace was this like chain smoking, like cynic. You know, so like you just you didn't have a team that that played with this sort of freedom and panache that that this group does. So so maybe that maybe we as Cubs fans need to let their youthful sort of you know uh, yeah, enthusiasm like carry me. over because the rest <laughs> of us are like carrying with us like the baggage of like 
you know, of well, of, that, of, that, that. of dead grandfathers and 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 uncles and like Cub stars who were like you know who who lived and died without seeing like a decent Cubs team. And so like we we, were, we think about all that, but these guys don't. They don't. They don't even know. Well, they don't care. Well, I mean, like the point is, and, and I think you you sort of get got to this. It really doesn't actually matter about the play, you know. It matters about the players, but the biggest part about these curses is actually the ownership. I mean, the Red Sox had the same thing with the Yankees, and, and and the Cubs had the same thing. It's you know, it's ownership that invests in a club and knows how to build the club from the start up. And and you know, it looks like the you know the Cubs are doing that with the Ricketts, and you know, obviously Theo has done well, it with two clubs. And that's kind of the interesting thing, right? I mean, if Theo Epstein pulls this off with the Cubs, where and I'm hoping you guys get this, or they win the World Series. Thank he you. he will have reversed. He will have been directly responsible <laughs> for reversing the two biggest curses is he, is in baseball. He, is, is he actually the greatest? That's general manager of any what, sport how, ever. How, how I mean, mythic if he and legendary Cubs, does if he, he wins become? With the Cubs, like putting aside like you know Branch Rickey, like integrating the game. Um, like he has to be the greatest baseball executive of all time, right? Like, yeah, I think even just to handle the the. Again, the sort of psychological and in, pressures. And, and I this think is that, in a modern league, where, you know, modern yeah. time, where you don't have control of the players, you know, free agency, yeah. all, you know, it's difficult. I will say, and, and it's especially difficult, and tell us, and I talked a little bit about this earlier, you know, generalizing here, but the, the, the Chicago sports fan psyche is a little bit different than other big cities. It's different than those fans in New York and, and, um, the uh, I don't know. Do you follow the, any of the, the big teams? The Bears, the, the uh, obviously the Cubs, the Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls. There is this sort of relentless expectation that never really goes away. Even when you look at the roster and you say, "Well, these guys really," if I'm really being objective here, they're not going to do that well. Like there's still, still when the games begin, there's this expectation that they should succeed. Um, and um, I don't know. I just I find it a little bit different here in New York where. Uh, teams can be terrible for a long, long time, and, and fans generally will, you know, they won't, they, maybe they won't, their, their expectations will, will turn down as well. Whereas mm-hmm. Chicago, they, they never really do. And even, you know, you're going to go through the Bears' troubles, uh, or the Cubs, you know, every, every, every spring, the expectations are that this is going to be the year. And so. Yeah, you know, I did a little uh, research on this segment beforehand, so I wanted to not sound completely idiotic. But one of the things I came up with is was, uh, I thought was interesting was when they were, Pitching John Lester, no pun intended, in the offseason to come to Chicago as a free agent, one of the ways they got him was they said that if he came, he would be part of the biggest celebration in the history of sports. If the Cubs win the World Series, is it the biggest celebration in the history of sports? And, and I want to know, can you taste it? Can you, can you, gentlemen? Can you taste it? I mean, it? look, it it would be, and I, and I I said this to 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 you know Brad Reagan, one of the sports editors. I said I just you know because none of them are Chicagoans. I said I just want to I just wanted to convey to you on behalf of of the city of Chicago that like you really need to be re- like God forbid we get to the point where the Cubs are about to win a World Series. Like you you really need to prepare for this to be like one of the biggest sports stories ever. I mean, it's it's I really yeah. can't overstate how. Yes, you can. Emotional and just sort of cathartic and and weird it would be for the Cubs to win the World Series. Like it it might even be, and I was saying this Justin earlier. Like it might be that it's been it's been built up for so long that it would be anticlimactic. I don't know. I don't even know. I think it's going to be. I haven't even. Be, and, and but but the truth is, I haven't really begun to explore the depths of that right. feeling and, you know, because we're just we're so far away. Well, like Steve I, was saying, like even like you know when when you go back and you look at the the Red Sox runs to the to, to, to the championship, like 
there were some dark moments on those roads, right? No, but so, I mean, that, like, this so, is what I will say, so, though. So if at best what, what Justin and I have ahead of us is like a month of, of torture. Right, and I no, will no. say that the, that the story is so big that we should really request um, a number of additional uh, credentials to cover <laughs> the games themselves. Oh, I agree with that. And the city and its in its celebration. I yeah, just think, absolutely. Can we, can I agree we get with those? That too. I, I think um, just open a bureau. You know, well, uh, well you guys, at, you guys, you guys should, you should be writing about. Well, I don't right? want to suggest that, but I mean, if you if you if we need extra staff there, we, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm we'll gonna do what you can for we'll the do, paper. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna take the opposite side of this though. It's going to be anticlimactic. I mean, and there are two reasons I'm going to say this. I mean, first of all, you had Boston do it. Well, and then yeah, you had tell Chicago us. As, White, as a Bostonian grocer, yeah. tell us what it was like. And then you had Chicago with the White Sox. And then you had Cleveland okay, that's, now. That's, that's, let, I mean, like, you sort of... But no, it's not no, put that no, in its own little box. But, but like, seriously. But you, you seriously have had... You know, this has become sort of the theme of the last decade. Um, you know, sports clubs that didn't make it, no, I, haven't won... I'm sorry, no. I don't, I don't want to... No, let, no, no, no. no. The, no fact uh, that the fact that your Red Sox did it was great, but I'm not going to let that, like, cheapen what would the achievement of the Cubs... I, those are those are independent events, and I don't want to hear that it no, would be I think it's gonna be important. less exciting than... Uh, I just Think, then, I just think. You know, I just think. Like you, 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 come on. you, tell us. You called it the biggest sports story like ever. I'm just saying. I don't think it's that level. I think it's going to be like it's a big. I'm not saying it's not a big story. I just don't think it's going to be the. You know, it, and it's going to dominate the media for. Why, a week. why are you trying to? We oh. we asked these guys to and, come into the studio, and now you're tearing. I also, down. I also tore down the jobs report. Now, now, secondly, the other thing I'm going to say is what you're going to find after your team wins, if they win it, and I think they will win it, is. There's sort of a loss. Like it, it is not the. It, it, there is a pure joy in the immediate, and then there's sort of like your identity has almost been stripped of you, and you have to find a new identity because you're no longer like you spent so many years hating the Yankees with such passion. If you're a Red Sox fan, and like watching them totally destroy your dreams, and all of a sudden, you know, you beat the Yankees. You went there. I am. I, I, right. well, you know, I welcome, right. I welcome the day that, that when the Cardinals come to town, it's like, uh-oh. Like, or when the Cubs show up, and, you know, that it's the big bad Cubs, the big bad jerks who win every year. I am, I am not, I am not afraid of that time. And I I'm think not that, be afraid. That, There's a, there is a ch- there's right, an right. identity gonna, change that you have we're, to. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Grocer, you're bringing us, on a, a, you're bringing us down. You're bringing us down. I want to give Justin, tell us the last word and, and take us out. When you're done talking, say goodbye. What is the next month going to mean to you? Well, I, I mean, the, the next month, like I said, will be will be very anxious, and and I think like you know, most Cubs fans I know are pretty apocalyptic. So as soon as things start to go wrong, I think all of the all of the the the, the usual kind of oh, this is the same old Cubs will come out again. So I think it's going to be a really rough month at best, um, unless they just sweep all the way through, which I I would I would welcome, I would I would <laughs> take it, um, but but I think. I, I really do think that the, that the that the Cubs winning the series just because I, I disagree a little bit with Justin. I don't think that there's been an expectation every year. I think that there's a sort of like phony kind of like, well, maybe this is the year sort of thing. But nobody really ever believed it. And I think even this year, the Cubs fans have had trouble believing it. So I think I think if 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 the Cubs, you know, if 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 they make it to you know uh, to the NLCS and they've they've won a couple of games, then I think people might start to to get excited. And I think. A, I think just getting to the World Series would be a successful season. 
right? There's a there's a crapshoot element to oh come the, on to, to the no I'm you sorry. gotta win it no there's, there's no a, kissing your sister there's a, there's get a, to the there's, World but, Series but you know what everyone knows that the but I I don't want if the Cubs get to the World Series and they lose it in five games or something or they just run into the buzzsaw of a team that gets hot I don't want that to diminish the fact that this was a great oh. team the playoffs are always a crapshoot so a the the way you win is to get there as many times as you can right. Um, and and B, I think that 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 you know, uh, hopefully, what will happen is just you don't get there the mentality many times. You will start win to change, when you get and there. the Cubs fans can start to get excited about their team and not live in fear that their team is going to disappoint. Just yeah, there. well, I, I, I think us. I think once the games start, I think I think um, you know what I said earlier about people giving it a long you know a couple years and the expect you know the expectation the excitement that they have all these young players and they could be back in there you know a few times i think that all goes out to win- out the window i think we'll see you know if they lose game 1 or they lose game 2 i think we're uh, you know we're in for a roller coaster of a playoff series and that could be painful just want to say one thing Grosser about this. insisting on a, a last comment. Just, just about this whole get to the World Series thing. They did a study of Olympic athletes, the ones who won gold and won silver and bronze. The, the, the people who won silver were the most depressed. And it's because they got so close. The bronze people loved it because they, they got a medal. They weren't expecting to get a medal. People came in second. You got, if you go to the World Series, you got to win it. There's no. This season was great because we got to the World Series. But I mean, this is a, I, just, I, I just being there is. You're, yeah, 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 you know what I'm you, talking. I about. have to say, being I agree there. with Grosser. Just being there is a. I mean, no, it's no. Not. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you too. Once, but once you okay, once, the Red once Sox you actually get there often. This the Cubs have never have not even been to. They haven't sniffed a World Series. When you have an opportunity, I'll tell you right now. In a half a century. Okay, I know we have to wrap this. I'll tell you right now. If the Cubs get to the World Series and lose, you you will be beside yourself. You, I, I'm I telling so. you, I don't you will so. be beside I don't think yourself. So. I think I, w- I mean, look, it's not going to be pleasant, but I don't think that I will consider it a waste of a season. All right. Well, listen, good luck to both of you. I'm absolutely pulling for the Cubs. I want to see this happen. This will be a great story. Whether it's the biggest ever or not doesn't matter. Great story. Good luck to both of you. Thank you. I'll, I'll, be, I'll make sure and pitch well and, uh, you know. <laughs> rest that rest that elbow. Rest that elbow. All right, everyone. Th- listen, I know we took a lot of your time, folks. We appreciate your listening. I hope you had a little fun with this, too. I hope you enjoyed it. And have a good weekend. And we will talk to you on Monday. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.